0: Hi there, my name is Lauren Shahadi and we are thrilled to welcome you to the podium from Vox Media and NBC Sports. On today's show, an inside look at how the Winter Olympics have been attracting more and more athletes from tropical nations around the globe. Countries like Eritrea and Malaysia, known more for their beaches and balmy temperatures, of course, than ski slopes and snowfall, are sending athletes to compete in the Winter Games. And this year is no exception. In Pyeongchang we'll see a skier from the Philippines join the competition. And this team.
1: Because Nigeria was looking for their first ever Winter Olympians, and Africa had never been represented in the sport. So I thought to myself, you know what, this has grown to be much larger than me, and, you know, it's time to do something about it.
0: How awesome is that, the Nigerian women's bobsled team that has had a meteoric rise to fame. But what's going on here? Why are more tropical countries getting involved in the games? And how do athletes from these climates even begin to train for the Winter Olympics? Tim Struby talked to three pioneering athletes from tropical countries and has their story.
2: Thanks, Lauren. The Winter Olympics are most definitely changing. And those changes are bringing a much warmer vibe to the games. Among the nearly 90 nations who will be duking out in South Korea more than 25 will be tropical countries. And by tropical, we mean those countries located near the equator, between the latitude circles of Tropic of Cancer and Tropic of Capricorn. We're talking hot, humid, snow-free climates. But for some athletes, getting to the Winter Olympics isn't about geography. It's about attitude. Before, it wasn't even a thought. I
3: think tropical athletes would look at the Winter Olympics and think, wow, okay, that looks interesting. I would have no interest in it because I am not fond of the cold or the snow or anything to do with a Winter Olympiad.
2: This is Otto Bolden, a four-time Summer Olympic medalist from Trinidad and Tobago. He's also a longtime NBC sports analyst. I think
3: the more that they saw athletes who looked like them or were from countries that they uh, were familiar with, competing and doing well in the Winter Olympic Games, that sort of opened the door. And when you see uh, athletes from the Caribbean or, or athletes that you know, you know primarily from the Summer Games doing well in the Winter Olympic Games, uh, I think that just sort of opened the, the floodgates and people went, wait a minute, hey, this is something I can do and you know, maybe I can never win a Summer Olympic medal, but why not give a, a Winter Olympic medal a shot?
2: Tropical countries going for gold? I know what you're thinking, so let's just get this out of the way.
3: Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Get on up. It's bobsled time. Cool Runnings!
2: That, of course, was from Cool Runnings, the Disney film loosely based on the story of the Jamaican bobsled team at the 1988 Olympic Winter Games in Calgary, Canada. The real story, you won't be surprised to hear, is quite a bit different than the movie version. But this is true. They had a team song. And it's true that everybody thought they were totally crazy to even try competing. Here's Otto Bolden again.
3: Yeah, that was a movie that I think, um, I don't think the producers originally intended for it to serve the purpose that it eventually did. But I think there is some truth to that. It is a comedy. It's a, it's a heartwarming comedy. But when you look at what the facets of that movie, in fact, are, it's about not letting your circumstances or your current environment derail your dream.
2: While that 1988 Jamaican bobsled team made headlines around the world, they weren't the first tropical nation at the Winter Games. One of the earliest countries to do so was Costa Rica. In 1980, Arturo Kinch competed in the downhill and giant slalom at Lake Placid. My goal was
4: really to survive in the downhill and not kill myself.
2: (laughs) Not surprisingly,
4: he was the country's
2: only representative.
4: It was pretty lonely because I really didn't have a lot of support, and it was... Exciting to do that and be so proud to carry the flag in the opening ceremonies. Arturo
2: Kinch was what you might call an accidental winter athlete. Born to American missionaries living in Costa Rica, Kinch grew up dreaming of playing professional soccer, not carving powder. But when he left Central America for Rockmont College in Colorado, he tried skiing and found himself hooked and talented.
4: It wasn't a dream for me to pursue the Olympics from the start when I had done so well for two seasons. That's when my coach got in touch and other coaches, they were amazed that I, had, that I was doing so well for the college that they encouraged me to pursue it instead of soccer. And I started giving it some thought. Now I'm thinking I'll use my dual citizenship the other direction, maybe, if it's possible. And I had no idea how it was organized worldwide.
2: Clearly there was no Costa Rican ski team at the time.
4: No. Yeah, No ski team. Or
2: federation or association. But I found
4: out that you had to have an association, a recognized sports association approved by the International Ski Federation. So that's what started a two-year trajectory. So this
2: is 1978, and you're, you're saying – suddenly you're formulating the idea. You're saying, wait a minute. Maybe it's possible that I can compete in the 1980 Olympics? Correct. Yeah.
4: That's when it began. And the more I learned, obviously, it seemed daunting. But it really never intimidated me that I was going to be competing against Nordic countries or people who their national pride is really based on how well they perform every World Cup, you know. Um, I didn't know all that history. I was just an athlete that was looking for a great opportunity to really excel and inspire others to do great.
2: The unlikeliest of Alpine competitors eventually finished 41st in the downhill before injuring himself in the giant slalom. Still undaunted, Kinch transitioned to cross-country skiing and represented Costa Rica in four more Olympic winter games, the last being Torino in 2006. There's a significant trend upwards in the number of tropical countries competing in winter sports now, winter Olympics. Correct. Are you surprised by that? And do you think your participation in the Olympics gave rise to that or helped help people take notice?
4: I believe it opened the door because it overcame obstacles of the old organization. And And
2: the stigma of it. Exactly. Yeah.
4: And that's why uh, at my third Olympics in Calgary is when the Jamaican bobsled team, Cool Runnies, uh, Eddie the Eagle, that's when they began. I had already established that – I wasn't just a flash in the pan or whatever you call it. I was determined to be, be consistent, and, and I was serious about it.
2: What Arturo Kinch and the Jamaican bobsled team accomplished has inspired a new generation of athletes. Recently, I caught up with one of those athletes.
1: The best way to qualify for the games is just to be top 20.
2: <laughs> Meet Jasmine Fenlater. The 32-year-old is trying to qualify in bobsled for Jamaica and help create a new post-Cool Runnings identity for the team.
1: If you can have your world ranking be in the top 20, you pretty much have solidified you know, your position. Um, so right now, my current ranking is 15. Very excited with that. But Fenlater isn't from Jamaica.
2: She was born and raised in Wayne, New Jersey. And earned four world cup bobsledding medals in seven years
1: with team usa the season i competed after sochi was actually my best season in my bobsled career Um, before i left team usa i was ranked third overall in the world i won the world cup overall bronze medal i was sixth at world championships almost every race i was top four so i had a really successful season post olympics but for me something was kind of missing inside i love bobsled i had a passion but just some part of the edge was gone. So Fenlater
2: later made a radical change. Her father's Jamaican, and throughout her childhood, she spent time on the island with family and friends. She felt a connection. So in late 2015, she received her dual citizenship and became the newest member of Jamaica's women's bobsledding team.
1: When you're on Team USA, you're worrying about how many physios there are and getting more money for higher technology equipment and different things like that when you're on team jamaica you're still worrying about money but usually it's for food and accommodations and you kind of throw out the having 50 ipads to record different things and work off of your cell phone or your personal ipads and different things like that so it's just a matter of where you put the resources and what resources and um the biggest bang for your buck and i think for us, we have to simplify it. You know, with, with larger nations, you tend to get caught up with all these fancy things and you need more and more and more, and that's just the society we live in. Um, and what's great about being on Team Jamaica and a lot of the success through the sports that they've had, such as track and field, is there is no special recipe. You know, you can do the same thing um, and get the same work done without spending all this money or having the latest technology.
2: Fen later looks at the cool running story as part of her cultural history and the real life athletes of that 1988 team are mentors to her team today. And she feels a responsibility to help grow bobsledding in Jamaica.
1: I want it to have meaning. I want to have a legacy. I want to have an impact. I just don't want to be someone that racks up all these medals and has this huge resume of being a champion. I want to have an impact that goes on for generations and generations and that's important to me.
2: No two tropical
5: athlete stories are the same. I had zero point zero point zero point zero percent knowledge of winter sport. They had never seen snow or even know that snow existed.
2: 31-year-old Akwazi Frimpong hails from Ghana. Frimpong moved to the Netherlands when he was eight and became a standout sprinter in both Europe and later in the United States at Utah Valley University. After he failed to make the 2012 Dutch Olympic track and field squad, he got an unexpected offer. A tryout from the national bobsled team.
5: Uh, I looked at them, I was like, you know, black men on ice. And then obviously, then you think <laughs> about a movie, Cool Runnings. But in, in first place, I was like, no, I don't think I belong on the ice. <laughs> that's not That's not a place for me. What changed your mind and how did it change? It took a couple of months, obviously, because my goal was always to go to the Olympics. Um, it's the highest achievable event in the world. The sky's the limit and th- that's that event. And sometimes, disappointments lead you to where you need to be at, maybe. Um, So I thought about it, and I wanted to give myself a shot. So I was actually still in college, actually studying, still in school. And my school uh, made the arrangement for me to be able to
2: go and give it a a try. And I made the Dutch Dutch team. Frimpong didn't qualify for Sochi, and his Olympic dreams appeared to be dead. Yet nearly three years later, he devised a new plan that could get him to Pyeongchang. He'd compete in the sport of skeleton for Ghana. The first step? selling the plan i th- actually believe that
5: the, in the cool runnings movie you can see when the guys try to tell the, the olympic committee they want to do that everybody started to laugh at them i got a little bit of that as well so i i planned really well to explain it to them how it's going to work um but they first look really funny like where are we going to build the track how are we going to get the money where are we going to get the snow that was kind of first the first 30 minutes and i just had to listen to them and then sh- open up my presentation and show them and then they were all they were all sold they
2: thought that was a great idea Since most tropical nations don't have big winter sports budgets, Frimpong's plan meant training and competing on his own dime, finding a coach, doing whatever it took to get himself to the 2018 games. But even if he gets there, he understands he's the longest of long shots.
5: Uh, the biggest thing about it is that I am I will be the least experienced skeleton athlete on the track in Pinyon 2018. That's just a fact. If, when I make the Olympic Games, I'll be the least experienced. I have never been on that track before. And pretty much 99.9% of all athletes is going to be they have already had a track because I did not have the money. Uh, in March or October to go and do a training there, which I was eligible to go to, but I didn't have the money. I had to stay home, sell vacuums, and train here closer to tracks here because, again, my goal is 2022, so I want to get better on the tracks here and spend my money towards that instead.
2: Um, So that's going to be a challenge. Even though Frimpong still imagines winning a medal one day, he's thinking about the bigger picture by building a skeleton program in Ghana.
5: I want to do something that can outlive me. I really want to show that winter sport is possible for Africans. And sometimes it doesn't come from where you train, but, you know, how hard you work. And I think that there's a lot possible, and this is a way to go forward. So at the moment, we focus mainly on introducing the sport by just doing clinics. And the first thing we do is we talk about, you know, when the sport started, what it is and what you need and all that good stuff, kind of an educational thing. And then we go into um, the kind of lifting weight, the kind of weight you have to lift, uh, how to lift weights for bobsled and skeleton, how to push a sled or skeleton. We build a wooden sled and a wooden bobsled in Ghana so people can learn the pushing part. So we kind of get them kind of a little bit familiar with the sport, what it is, uh, before we can get them on ice. That way, they kind of get a little bit familiar of and a little bit of an education.
2: Are you ready for um, the movie to be made, the Cool Runnings two about the skeleton? Is that what we're waiting for? <laughs> I, I know I'm not here to to make a Disney movie. I
5: don't want to be a mediocre, and I don't think the Disney. I don't think the the Jamaican team was a mediocre or anything like that. Uh, but I definitely want to move forward and doing really well. I want to show that I can slide. I want to be competitive. Like I said, I'm humble, and I do want to have to understand that in 2018, that's not going to be you know where I'm going to shine the most. But uh, leading forward, I definitely want to do that in 2022. And if somebody wants to make a movie to inspire people, so be it. I'm all for inspiring. Nobody want to see you rising. And when they do, they don't even like it. They just want to see you deep in crisis. Drive us off, you don't need the license. Holler, hush, you can even ride it. Go ahead, move your feet just like this. Then he showed me the latest. We walk over the pages. what you do, my ass on top. Now watch me do my ass on top.
2: Cool Runnings is a classic and it's inspired athletes and audiences all over the world. But what it hasn't done is help produce hardware. Athletes from tropical nations have never won a medal at the winter Olympics. And if you're wondering about Australia, who's won 12 winter games medals, well, technically it's not a tropical country. You see, most of these nations haven't had the initiative or resources to put behind winter sports programs. But despite those challenges, both Jasmine Fenlater and Aquazi Frempong are hoping to get their countries to be the first. And if they can somehow make the podium, odds are other Tropical Nation athletes will follow suit. All it takes is for one country to win one medal. Once again, Otto Bolden gold silver bronze whatever just get on that podium and
3: sort of show everybody else look look at what we did from nothing to you know beating out some of these established winner olympic powerhouses and getting that that first elusive medal so I, I think it could happen i really do and i'll be really excited to see that you in pyeongchang
0: And we're so excited about that possibility as well. Tim, thanks so much. Awesome job. For all of you interested, the final Olympic bobsled and skeleton qualifiers will be announced January 14th. For everyone here at Vox Media and NBC Sports, my name is Lauren Shahadi, and you're listening to the podium. Our senior producer is Golda Arthur, and our executive producer is Nishat Kurwa. And also a special thanks to our sound engineers, Brandon McFarlane, Miles Ewell, and Pedro Elvira.